Here is the Crescendo Music Education Podcast, episode number 62. Hi, I'm Debbie O'Shea and in this episode of the Crescendo Music Education Podcast, I am lucky enough to speak to Jenny Moon. It's just a delightful conversation. I love how she speaks about signposts in her journey as a music educator conductor. Not highlights, but signposts. I think that's really special to think of them that way and how she's completely herself when she's in a room with young people. Her advice to connect with something or find something that you love in repertoire that you do with your choirs. Oh, there's so much from this episode that you will love. So enjoy part one, part two coming soon. Hello, and in this edition of the Crescendo Music Education Podcast, I have the delightful Jenny Moon. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Deb. How are you? Fabulous. And all the more fabulous for speaking to you. And it's school holidays. Oh, yay. It's so good. Mind you, that means for me, working on my podcast and crescendo but yes it is good. no alarms yeah. you know my time it's really good yeah now, but lucky for all of us that you do all of that in your holidays oh thank you jenny hope we get, so we I get to share so. in that we get to share in it too so good thank you well i'm going to start off reading your bio okay here we go because there will be a lot of people it's their bad luck that they have no idea who i am yeah well they might not know you yet Okay, the people who do know you are saying, yes, let's have a, let's hear from Jenny. Those people who don't know Jenny or don't know her background, and I don't fully know your background because I've only got to know you fairly recently. So this is yeah. going to be an interesting read for me. Here we go. Jenny Moon is a highly regarded choral conductor specialising in children's and youth choirs. A graduate of the Queensland Conservatorium of Music, Jenny is a passionate educator and advocate for choral music and is a highly sought-after conductor, choral workshop presenter and adjudicator. She was a classroom music specialist for more than 30 years. Yes, that's the job. Um, I started when I was 12. When you're 12, yeah, that's right. Don't do the maths, everyone. Uh, Working (laughs) in several schools in Brisbane and on the Gold Coast. She is currently the Associate Artistic Director of the Voices of Biralee, where she conducts their signature treble choir, Brisbane Biralee Voices, and co-conducts the Biralee Kids. She was, until very recently, Head of Choral and Vocal Studies at Hillcrest Christian College on the Gold Coast, where she developed and built a choral program of 12 choirs. Yeah. Wow. Including four, four excellence choirs. Like, that's a lot, Jenny. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was a bit of a crazy person, you know, 16 years ago. But anyway. (laughs) Okay. I'm sure we'll come up with how on earth you did that later on in the episode. All right. During her tenure with both organisations, Jenny has led international choral tours and achieved awards at international choral competitions in addition to numerous national awards. Jenny has been guest conductor at Queensland Conservatorium State Honours Programs, Gondwana National Choral School, the Festival of Voices in Hobart, and at various choral festivals across Australia, as well as presenting regularly at workshops 
and professional development programs. Jenny has a passion for promoting Australian music, yes, to choirs and communities. She excels at engaging choristers in music across extensive styles to further develop their understanding of the world through the lens of text and music. Oh, that last bit's so well written. So those of you who don't know Jenny, there it is in a nutshell. (laughs) In a nutshell, that's me. Listening to that, Jenny, is there anything else you'd like to add to that summary? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I'm a mum of two beautiful girls. I've got a 23-year-old and a 19-year-old. So I think that's pretty important because... That's been one of my big part of my life is being a mum. And uh, of now, of course, I'm the uh, main caretaker of Bachi, the five-year-old Cavoodle. So that's a work in progress. I think that bio is probably a, mostly about my last 10 years, I guess, where I've really decided that I wanted to pursue being a choral conductor. But I spent a long time being a classroom teacher, which I absolutely loved being a classroom teacher in both high school and primary school. And then from from that came the choral part, you know, but um, I'm a piano player by by instrument. So I was a, a piano major at the con. Very, very fortunate to work with the brilliant Leo Horowitz and a violinist. And so that that's my background. I come from a very musical family. So started off as a piano player, violinist. I'm not a singer. I have had singing lessons, but I'm, I wasn't a singer. And yeah, so that's my background, basically. When you were in the classroom, how did your passion for choir develop? I think I I think I just was always choir was always part of my life. I grew up in Cairns, you know, I still look at the very funny photos of me in the Cairns Choral Society, this little tot with her white dress and her blue sash and white gloves, Deb, <laughs> you know. Seriously, in Cairns, you know, how hot is it in Cairns? And my little white gloves. So my mum and dad met, funnily enough, met in a choir in Rockhampton. My mother was the piano player of the musical union, very young, you know, um, piano player. And my dad was a singer and that's how they met. My dad can't read a note of music, not a note, but he's got the most extraordinary voice and incredible ear. I loved growing up with him because I'd come home and I'd go, dad, dad, what's this piece of music? And I'd sing something, you know, and he'd go, oh, that's Tchaikovsky's fourth or that's the Elgar Enigma Variations or that, like he he had the most incredible classical music collection and he loved music but couldn't read a note. And so they met in a choir and then I think choir was just always kind of a part of my life and I did it, you know, I was in a choir at school and I did a bit of choral at the con And there was just always this little niggle, I think, in the back of my mind, how much I loved working in that space. I didn't want to do string orchestras as my co-curricular. Whilst I was a string player, it just didn't, it didn't really float my boat to be, you know, working in that arena. But standing in front of kids and sharing song just brought this incredible joy. And so... I did a lot of singing in my secondary school classroom, lots of singing. Yeah, it just kind of developed out of that and people came across my paths who kept saying, you should do this, you should do more of this and pushing me into that into that area. So the two were very, very connected from a very early point in my teaching career. Yeah. Well, we're very pleased you're in it, that's for sure. <laughs> so I'm very blessed to be in it. And I think that comes across 
too when you work with children that that you love it and you feel that you're fortunate to be there too I think yeah I think that comes across you know that genuineness that you're not just there because you have to be you're there because you love it and you appreciate that you're there yeah I do I do love it and it you can't help but be joyous when you're, and I'm sure string players and concert band conductors feel exactly the same, but when you go to a seven o'clock rehearsal and you're exhausted, you know, it's the middle of the week and you go, why am I going to a primary school boys treble rehearsal at seven o'clock on a Wednesday morning? Oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted and I've got a whole day of teaching. And you get into that room and there's just this joyous energy and you sing and you laugh and you interact and you feel good because I sing when I in my rehearsals and model and demonstrate and you know do all of these things you can't help but feel joyous and it just sets you up for the rest of the day so I always felt blessed and I would always say you know quite often to my choristers when I had that overwhelming sense of it's the end of the term and I'm exhausted but oh my gosh I feel so good being here with you I would say to them I am so lucky to be able to do this as I'm so lucky that I get to do this because it's just joy. And I, you know, I do, I do really feel blessed. Good. What would you consider to be the highlight or highlights of your journey so far as a musician, music educator, conductor, what, what would be a couple of high points? Oh my gosh. I've had so many brilliant moments and I've met so many incredible people and I've enjoyed so many opportunities, you know, that I I don't think I can say any one particular has been a highlight. I actually think my journey as a musician has had very definite signposts, very definite. And I'm kind of a person who, you know, pushes against what is expected. And it's funny, really, because I I was never going to go to the con. I actually had said to my mother, so my two sisters and my mother had gone to the con before me, you know, and I was, there's no way that I'm going to be seen dead at the conservatorium, you know. I'd done my A-Marse on piano in grade 11. So I ticked the box. I went, right, tick the box. I've done it. I've seen it through. You know, my parents have have been so supportive of of giving me an education, but that's it. I'm done. I'm going to just concentrate. And I I actually wanted to do law. Law was where I was heading. Yeah. And, um, I got to grade 12 and I was on, you know, I was working towards that and it got to the point where I, I had to fill out my QTAC form and and I suddenly had this moment of, oh my goodness, what if I don't get into law? What's my what's my backup plan here? You know, this is the 80s, Deb. Mm-hmm. I had to have a backup plan. And so I said to my mother, oh, look, I'm just going to put the con down for an audition as, you know, I better just put something down. And she, of course, was just but you wouldn't be seen dead there. I'm like, oh, well, I don't really want to go, but I better have a plan. And, of course, that then sent my mother and my piano teacher into this spin because whilst I was working towards a, an Almas program that I would never, ever do, I didn't really have anything to audition with. And so, and so they were just like, ah. I went to the audition at the con and I went in really not prepared very well. Like I I should have been better prepared and I kind of walked in with this attitude of oh look you know if it's to be and if I don't you know and I walked out of my audition Deb and I burst into tears the first thing I did I shut the door and I cried and cried and my mother was like what happened and I said oh my gosh I've blown it this I've blown it I'm not going to get in she said but you don't want to go here I said I do I do I've made a mistake like I can't think 
of not being here. And it was just that moment of what what were you thinking, you know? And it was just wow. And fortunately I did get in. And that was the turning point where I was like, why are you resisting? Why are you resisting just because everybody else is doing it or your family? I have no idea, but it was this moment of, no, actually, this is what you want to do. You want to be a muso. So whilst I whilst it's probably not a highlight to burst into tears after your audition, it certainly was a real moment in my journey that signposted that this is this is actually where you you need to be. And so grateful that that happened. And then I guess and then I guess there's been other moments as an educator, music educator, I think the biggest turning point for me was when I, I was a high school teacher, um, high school music teacher. And once again, had said, no, nah, never going to be a primary school teacher. I can't do it. I just don't have the patience. And I, you know, I want to teach Stravinsky to my kids and I want to have these, you know. And then I became a primary school teacher when my daughters were young, because I thought, I really want to know what it's like to be a teacher at that age, you know. So I became a primary school teacher in 2006 and loved it, absolutely loved it, never thought I would love it as much. And that introduced me to the young voice because I heard children singing and I'd always had been surrounded by mostly high school choirs, you know. And then I just fell in love with that that sound and that that moment where they find their singing voice and you go, wow. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. So as an educator, that was probably a, a moment of a, a, another signpost for me, you know, that was a signpost to say, hang on a minute, you've got a whole realm of things here that you've just, you know, you haven't even explored yet. And I was just going to say the magic of working with young people. I mean, I know I'm oh. biased, but like this is where, where their attitudes and foundations are set. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So go on. What was your next one? They just give you so much and they're so brave and they're willing to do anything. And, you know, you. and the other thing is I was completely myself in that room with young kids. You just, you can do anything that you feel, you know, mm-hmm. you've just got to get rid of that energy. You just get rid of it. And uh, I just, yeah, I loved being in that. I loved being in that space for the time I was in there. And then I think, I think Coralie, my biggest moment, my biggest moment where I suddenly went, yeah, this is what you want to do. And, and you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh here because you're going to say, yeah, that's probably not a highlight, Jen. It was 1990, beginning of 1999. And I went out to the summer school that Guy Jansen used to run out at the uni. Do you remember those schools? Mm-hmm. Rodney Eichenberg was out that year, I think. Anyway, it was, it was summer school and I went out to do choral conducting with with some friends and colleagues from uni, actually. And I ended up being in the tutorial group with Karen Grills from New Zealand. She was my she was my lecturer. Well, the first first lesson I had with her, she scared me in a good way, in such a good way. I was in such in awe of what of what she wanted to say to me. She we connected and she, you know, she saw something and encouraged me and sort of said, Well, have you ever thought of doing, you know, more study? Why don't you come over and you know, you could study a master's? I was 10 weeks pregnant with my first baby, and I had to keep leaving her lectures and things to go and be sick because I had such bad morning sickness. No. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you know, the timing of oh, I'm pregnant with my first baby and Oh, I could think of nothing better than jumping over to 
New Zealand and studying with Karen and you know I was just this moment of oh my gosh I love this I I really love what I'm doing here so that was the turning point for me I guess the signpost was was then to say yeah you really you really love doing this and that was that was probably that highlight if it's a highlight you know did you did you feel like a highlight at the time no I bet (laughs) too many visits to the toilet but did you end up going to New Zealand at all Oh, look, I've been to New Zealand to, on holidays, yeah. but I didn't get to go and study because, you know, then I I, get, I gave up my teaching job on, at um, John Paul. I resigned from John Paul to be a mum because I just was like, I can't juggle both. I, I could never see me juggling the job I had at John Paul College and being a mum. And I just thought, you know, this is a this is a period in my time where I'm just, I just want to do the mum thing, you know. Didn't last very long because I, <laughs> I was like, got. I was like, oh, I'm not a stay-at-home mom, and you know that's where my family came in. In very importantly, my mother came in and kind of said, oh, for goodness' sake, let me look after Kate and go go back to work and you know do what you need to do because that's where you're happy. And yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I never got to do it. Whatever your journey was, we're just happy because it's brought you to where you are now. Yeah, it took me it took me a bit longer to get there, but I got there in the end. So- I haven't got there yet. I'm still learning. <laughs> well, well, nobody ever gets there. That's the joy of no. this, this whole, this life and being in education and in music, the journey is never ending. That's, never. I, and I think, I think if you come to terms with that and enjoy the ride, then you're there, aren't you? I totally agree. And I say to, I say to kids and, and audiences all the time, you know, singing is a journey. It's something you can do until you draw your last breath. Just do it forever. Do it forever. So, yeah, that, they're my highlights. <laughs> oh, I love it. And I do love the word signpost. I think that's very powerful because otherwise I guess highlight is making you make value judgments. But oh, signpost, that's very powerful. Thank you. I yeah. might borrow that one. Yes. Absolutely. All right. The next point that I like to come to is about gratitude. And I was just wondering yeah. if you had any comments about in that oh. Personal, professional, people, you know, I think some of those signposts, as you've already mentioned, are hooked on various people. Yeah. But just generally, if you were asked, for what are you most grateful? Well, you know, this year I am most grateful for the fact that our COVID restrictions have lifted. Like I'm so grateful every day that this year, you know, that things are, are starting to come back. And because I'm going to be honest, the last three years has been incredibly tough, as you would know. Mm-hmm. If anyone said to me five years ago, you know, five years ago we were travelling to France um, to do our ANZAC services and and things that we had a contract with the DVA with Viralee. So here I was singing internationally with with young people every year for five years it was incredible so there that whole international thing if you'd have told me when I was doing that five years ago that choral singing would be shut down completely by a virus I would have just looked at you and gone you've got to be kidding you know no one no one imagined and it's it took a huge toll and it's so I'm so grateful that we're back singing again because choral singing is about community you know you can't do it on a zoom you can't you have to be with people you have to be with people that's what it is it's community so I'm so grateful every day 
that I go, yes, we've got concerts and I've got rehearsals and, and you know, I just, I'm so, so grateful for that. And particularly this year, because I'm feeling like we are getting back. We've still got a long way to go and we're all rebuilding. We're all rebuilding choirs all around the world, but we are able to actually do what we do, you know, and the opportunities are there. So I'm grateful for that. I'm incredibly grateful that I've always managed to have mentors in my life who really have walked beside me. I feel really grateful for that. I've had great principals. My very first head of department when I was a first year teacher made an enormous impact on me. He was he was the head of arts, but he was drama based, you know, and he was just the most encouraging man and he was fantastic. He was incredibly talented and he loved curriculum, but he also he loved the arts, all of the arts, music, drama, dance, you know, and he just literally nurtured me in the time that I worked with him and opened up so many opportunities, you know, and I'm incredibly grateful that he was my first head of department. I had other people, you know, Peter Ingram had just come back from working with Rodney Eichenberg and doing his master's when I met met Peter in my third year of teaching, Peter came and worked at Jumper College. And he was, you know, really instrumental in coming and saying, come on, you need, you need to start doing something chorally. You know, I was playing for the school choirs because I was the, the accompanist, et cetera. But Pete was the one who probably just said, come on, it's time, you know, and pushed me and said, let's start. What do you want? What, what sort of choir do you want to do, Jen? We'll create one for you. You know, we'll create a choir, which we did. We created this female chorus and we did you know jazz and a whole lot of different things but he created a choir called female chorus so that I could start exploring and so I was very lucky to have those people and you know Julie Christensen in 2009 rang me and said you know would you be interested in coming on board as a conductor at Lee? and I was just oh my goodness yes I would absolutely love to and Julie has been you know, it's so, such an important part of my journey since 2009, really. And she just opened up so many doors to her network. She's got the most incredible network all over the world. And she is the most giving, collaborative person, you know. Um, and, you know, now I get to work with Paul every week. And I I have great relationships with so many composers that Julie and Paul have introduced me to. And, yeah, the whole network of choral people and having those people walk beside me, I guess. So I think I'm just, yeah, I feel very, very blessed and lucky that I've been mentored by so many people who just give. And so I, I really feel that now that's what I want to do as well and, and give as much as I can and mentor young people. And, yeah, so that's probably what I'm grateful for is people coming in my path and of course my incredible family you know my from my mum who looked after my kids so I could travel around the world and you know my husband and who just you know he's a scientist (laughs) I'm a musician and same never you know never said no to the fact that I'm going to Korea for 10 days with the choir and uh you've got to look after the kids and you know absolutely whatever so my family has been really incredibly supportive of of me going off and doing what I wanted to do, you know. So yeah, I think that's my gratitude is people, 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 people who just give. I'm very lucky they've been in my life. 
And we're very lucky they've been in your life so that you can now give because I should have said this at the beginning that we had you to come out to our school to do a workshop day with our choirs. Very fortunate, as I've said in previous episodes of the podcast, and in fact, I've even had a chat with Catherine Really, who is our conductor. I mean, imagine working at a school where Catherine Really is your conductor. I mean, so we're really lucky, but we'd like to be able to, and we actually did it partly because of COVID. And when we were coming out of COVID, we wanted to provide something when the competitions hadn't started up properly. And, you know, so we thought, let's, let's have a workshop. And we've had Paul Holly out and we've had you out to work with all of the kids. And it's just a joy to watch you and to see you give back to the children and the conductors that are watching you <laughs> all yeah. soaking up your goodness so <laughs> so thank you for do- and I know you've done workshops at schools for my colleagues as well and everyone speaks very highly of you so anyone who's in the I don't know how far you would travel just ask uh, okay well- just ask Jenny if you want a good <laughs> workshop person contact Jenny okay she's fabulous I I love it I love going into those environments with you know new faces and you just go in and the hard work's being done really and you just kind of go and you know experiment and and yeah like I, I love that I love that challenge and I love meeting new people and I love working with conductors and yeah no it's fun it's fun it, it is, well, it's good you think it's fun, but it is a whole new set of skills, isn't it? Oh, like, for sure. You know. For sure. <laughs> it, it keeps you on your toes, you know. Uh, you've got to be so flexible, haven't you? Yeah, you, yeah, a, you a do new, have to be flexible. Yeah, new sea of faces, new adults that have worked with them before, what's going to work, going, you know, so you do it so well. And so well, I think you just you've just got to go in with no predetermined decisions or anything. You, you very quickly need to go in and figure out what it is that you you've got to do and um, yeah. And be flexible and open, you know, to, to anything and, and know that you're not going to accomplish everything in one little amount of time or one short thing, but you just want to be engaging and, and hopefully give them a different way of looking at something perhaps. And Sometimes, you know, I say exactly the same things that conductors are saying to their kids, but I just say it in a different way or they've heard it and they just need one more person to say it. And you can see the look on their faces as they look at their conductor and go, hmm, I think we've heard that before, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We've heard that before. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's fun. I love it. Yes. All right. I would love to talk to you briefly about how it felt because you fairly recently stopped the teaching gig which gives you that security of you've got the pay packet, you've got the, you know, yes, as much as you love the conducting, like tell us about taking that big leap. Yeah, it was, it is a huge leap Mm -hmm. um, because it's not only the security, like the security of, you know, your teaching salary and your sick pay and your long service leave and your superannuation, all of that, that that's a massive security thing. But it's also, I guess, the security of knowing that you're in a system. So, you know, you've got your system of hierarchy, you've got your system of a timetable, you've got 
it, it's it's structured. It's very structured. And, you know, you know that you're going to go to school every day and you've got your colleagues who are going to be able to support you when you're, you know, you're not having such a great day or you're trying to juggle things and someone will jump in and say, hey, you know, I'll take that class for you. Let me take that class for you. you, you you've got all of that support in a school and you've got community. You've got your beautiful kids and your beautiful colleagues and your beautiful parents. You've got this community and it's relational and I'm a very relational person that's who I am I will always try to to make sure that that relationship with anyone is always kept intact so in a school environment it's all there isn't it mm-hmm. and so when you leave all of a sudden it's not there anymore and the ongoing relationship with the kids and with it is what I miss the most I still miss it I miss that feeding into a child's life and seeing them grow and and you know you teach them in grade two and then they're in tears on their last day of school as they're about to go and embark on missing their community and you've watched them and you've been part of that that's that's hard to give up so it took me a long time Deb to be honest it took me a long time to make the decision and I and I was transitioning for quite some time I came out of the classroom full-time quite a long time ago. And I was kind of doing a bit of teaching with, you know, some choral work at school. And then I went part-time. I, you know, I was very lucky that my principal at the Gold Coast allowed me to go part-time and I was, you know, doing some work at Biralee and doing commuting. And I was able to go off and do chefs and festivals, you know, because I had that support. So I was kind of in a transition and it took me two lots of uh, long service leave, actually. It took me two two goes before I realized, no, it's time. It's actually time for you to to go and try and do this freelance thing. And I'm still exploring it. I'm still finding it difficult to get out of the school system and realize that, oh my goodness, you know, there are so many things that you could be doing. You've just got to make it happen, I guess. And I'm living with that every day. I still have this huge passion to use music for healing. And there are so many things I want to do with that. There are so many opportunities of forming choirs and doing work with with communities through singing for healing, you know, that I, I'm yet to explore because I'm still in that I've got to bring in an income. So where I can, I'm doing the freelance work that I guess that pays the bills or helps to pay the bills. So I'm still in that kind of cycle of, oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to do that. But I still have this huge realm that I can't wait to dig into creatively and explore. So that's exciting. But uh, yeah, big, big leap, <laughs> big leap. And it's going, it's going well so far. It's, it's going okay. So yeah, I'm just in my, in my baby moments of it though. So I had to do it. I had to do it because the body was starting to, you know, tell me, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it now because the next 10 years, your body's going to not let you go and do three days of workshops with, with groups because it, it's, you know, it's fatiguing. It's, it's hard on your body and, and on your brain. It's very mentally fatiguing, but it's physically, you know, you do three whole day workshops and my body's just like, oh my goodness, so yeah, my hips not not so good and my calves are hurting. <laughs> No, look, so it's I, exhausting. Absolutely, it is exhausting. Exhausting. I've not done as much, but I did a a few years when I went to Rockhampton and did their big choral thing, and it was like 
three days and you work all day with literally hundreds of children and then there'd be a concert yeah. at night. I'd just say, and I was younger then, okay, and it yeah. was just my motel room was not far away. I'll be back. And yeah. I just literally set an alarm and just fell on the bed and slept so that I could yep. keep going that night. It is one of the most exhausting. Like you said, it's the the mental exhaustion on top of the physical exhaustion. Yeah, you're on. You are on the whole time and you're processing and you're mm-hmm. trying to trying to decide what do I leave, what do I work on, you know, and all the time you 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 just your ears are in play and yeah, it's it, it's fantastic. I love it. I love the challenge and I it's mm-hmm. I find it incredibly exciting. But it's it's fatiguing, you know. So I just figured I had this but short window of time where physically and mentally I was able to still be able to keep up and keep relevant to the kids too. That's on, that's very much on my on my mind is that I always want to be relevant to where they're at and it has to have context for them. And so, yeah, I just thought it's now or never. I'm just going to have to do it. And I'm in a fortunate position that, you know, my husband still works and so I don't feel quite as... <laughs> quite as uh, nervous but it is, it is challenging financially it's challenging in Australia it's not so not so challenging in the states where you know the coral the coral thing works completely differently in the states but um yeah I'm not I don't regret it I don't regret it as I say I really still miss the kids and I miss my parents and I miss community uh, and I you know I have my beautiful Biralee community but it's a lot smaller and whilst I, I love my choristers I see them but once a week I love when we do Christmas events you know when we do Spirit of Christmas and, and I see them all week and you really get to know know them a lot better but that that's what I miss the most about school yeah well well we're looking forward to seeing where you go making those great creative decisions that's exciting that's yeah yeah it is exciting hey Yes, I'm looking forward. You've got me excited now. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. Don't forget you'll find the show notes and transcript and all sorts of information on crescendo.com.au. If you've enjoyed the podcast or found it valuable, you might like to rate it on your podcast player and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it if you did. All I can be is the best version of me. All you can do is be the best you. Until next time, bye. As we know, laughter relieves stress. Don't lose sight of the funny side of life. I'm reading a horror story in Braille. Something bad's about to happen. I can feel it. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.